Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST87, the Lawndale album, Beyond Barbecue. First time that we have a full length uh, by Lawndale. We've had them on a compilation before on, I think it was, was it Love's Doll Superstar? That sounds so. right. Yep. I think so. And uh, an interesting band for Brant and I in particular, because Brant and I used to play in an instrumental rock band. And so very cool to kind of get into uh, Lawndale and because I can kind of relate to some of the stuff that they were, they were doing. I don't know about you, Brant, but I I was going to say, we have some surf credentials, man. Yeah, we do. We We, do. We played in the the nineties. Ryan and I played in a quasi surf band called the heat scores and played Lots and lots of shows with some great bands like the Bomboras and Deadbolt and Manor Asterman and Huevos Rancheros and the Sadies. Released a couple albums. And you and I are both big fans of surf music, too. To this day, I still listen to a ton of it. It was interesting reading up on Lawndale and the connection with the insect surfers, too. And because, I don't know if you remember way back when we were stuffing envelopes, like we used to you know, put our tapes and CDs in padded envelopes with like a little photocopy write up and send it around to all the surf bands that we could find out about. And one day the insect surfers phoned me back and had a great chat with, uh, with them. And so it was interesting to see their name pop up when looking into Lawndale. Very cool. Um, I've got a couple of quick spiels though, before we get into Lawndale brand. Go man. The first thing I wanted to mention is I got the new Sebado. Yeah, I heard it. And I think it's awesome. I, th- I think it's really, really good. I like it better than the last one. I think people should go and check it out if they have any sort of, you know, passing interest in Sebado. It's a great record by Lou and crew. I'm not a huge Sebado fan. I did listen to it, and I guarantee that people who like Sebado will like it. I know enough about yeah. Sebado to know that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's good. I'm, you know, in the last couple of years, we've got... New Jay Mascus, New Dinosaur Jr., New Jay Lowenstein, New Sebado. Those that crew is still putting out great stuff for my money. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, Brent, is I've got a Ripping Records update. Oh, lay it on me. Do you remember Ripping Records? Yeah, but remind me. But why? Why do I remember it? <laughs> is this the is this the label that had the misunderstood on it? No, this no. is the label that had Libyan Hit Squad right. and and uh, and and that crew. Right. Um, also, the band Ghost Aquarium. Right, right. So um, I with the upside down cross in their logo. Exactly. Yep. So I um, I looked into Ripping Records and I made an order and there was a computer snafu that kind of screwed up the order for a bit of time. But anyways, the main dude, Josh Dobbs, got back to me, and he said, hey, I got got your order, and he threw in a couple of uh, other cool things. He threw in, so I got the Ghost Aquarium single, which is good. Also got a Ghost Aquarium split with Josh Dobbs, and I like uh, the Josh Dobbs side. It's called Josh Dobbs and his Deficit of Dreams, which is good. And then also... Uh, a record, like a CD, by a band called The Runamucks. Hmm. And this has got Ghost Aquarium and Josh Dobbs in it. And I think you would like it, 
Brandt, um, it reminds me of like a cross between the dead milkmen and the dwarves. Really? The run yeah, the Runamucks. Hmm. Um, he also sent a copy of the Ghost Aquarium collection, Strange Communication, which I was very happy to get. Definitely my favorite stuff on the label so far is Libyan Hit Squad and Ghost Aquarium. I don't know. It just, uh, that stuff really resonates with me more than the other stuff so far. But I've given the Runamucks a couple of listens, and it's good. And I like the, the Josh Dobbs side of this Ghost Aquarium split. So people should check out Ripping Records. Um, they don't have a ton of stuff, but almost everything I've checked out, I'm a big fan of. So it's very cool. Right on. What about you, my friend? I've got a, a couple of recommends, I guess you could call them. Right. I got that uh, volume two of the BC35 compilation. Do you remember what that is? Martin BC. Yeah, Martin BC, I guess for anybody who doesn't know, well, they can head over to our blog, mojackpod.com. I think our interview with him is up there. Don't you know? (laughs) 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 I'm slowly restoring stuff after our blog kind of shit the bed. So I'm not sure what is up there and what isn't, but I think that one is. And so Martin BC is related to SST because he engineered Sonic Youth's Evol, as well as tons of other records that you and I are both into. And I guess Volume 2, you think maybe this is stuff that didn't get released on Volume 1? It's maybe maybe Leftovers, but I like it better than Volume 1. It doesn't sound like Leftovers. It sounds like stuff that was specifically left aside for for a second volume and it's all quality stuff there's a few sst connections bob burt from sonic youth plays on it andy hawkins from blind idiot god plays on it and a bunch of members of live skull swans cop shoot cop alice donut of cabbages and kings it's oh, really re- yeah it's really eclectic and really good now I, you know what i haven't even checked out the first one yet i think you would find stuff you liked on both of them man yeah, I, I'm sure I would. If you just 50% of those bands that you, you list off, like even if it has of Cabbages and Cop Shoot Cop on it, I'm going to check it out. My other recommend, Ryan, you ever heard of Kaspar Bratzman? I have read that guy's name a ton of times and never checked it out. The label Southern Lord is re- reissuing a bunch of his stuff. They've reissued his... His first two albums under the title Caspar Bratzman Massacre, M-A-S-S-A-K-E-R. And these are, well, I'll just read you what it says on the front of the LP. The Power Trio's blunt force execution is directed by Bratzman's explosive and exquisite six-string conjuration, channeling Hendrixian vibrations mixed with hard German industrial atmosphere. So the the first one's called The Tribe. I think that came out originally in 1988. And then Black Axis came out in 89. The Tribe is a little bit more accessible. Black Axis is a little more discordant and noisy. Uh, His dad is Peter Bratzman, who was like a free jazz guy, a German free free jazz guy. I think he's still around. They made an album together called Last Home that's just sheer insanity. (laughs) But anybody who likes, you know, a lot of the instrumental stuff, 
that uh, we've talked about on this podcast would probably like both of these albums. And so what do you mean by instrumental stuff, though? Are you talking like Bushman's Revenge, Terramelos, other stuff? Well, that, I'm, like, I'm even talking you... the SST stuff, like Gone or Alternatives. Oh, okay, okay I yeah. gotcha. It's not all instrumental. There are some vocals. Um, and you know how, like, when a band that you think of as instrumental throws vocals in and you hate it? Like, you wish they wouldn't do it? Hmm, or maybe. is that just me? <laughs> I don't know. You were you were mentioning how you were glad that Earthless started singing. Yeah. Well, this this works too, with vocals. Okay. I like it when Manor Astroman sing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Is it pretty gothy and industrial no. though? No. 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 Just it's some... more like, like it sounds more like Swans or something is industrial like that, tribal drumming kind of you know. Oh, okay. It doesn't sound like, like it's real drums. It doesn't sound like ministry or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably going to be uh, more inclined to check out the BC2. Yeah. I think you'd like these two though. Really? Yep. Okay. It's, it, I've, I mean, I've, I've read the name so many times. I'm probably long overdue for checking it out at least once. It's a little jazzy, but more like a Hendrix vibe. He definitely, he definitely has like the Hendrix tone. I would say he probably plays through a Strat. Okay. Do you like Bushman's Revenge? Oh, I do. Then you'd like this, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't like how expensive Bushman's Revenge albums are and how hard they are to get. That I do not like. Well, at least where I live. Yeah. Do you want to get into some Lawndale? Yeah, History Lesson, Part 1. Maybe Brant will just give a quick overview of the band. And we should have mentioned this at the outset, but we've got a special guest that we'll uh, we'll head over to shortly as well. Yeah, Rick Lawndale is on the podcast today. Yeah, so we'll turn it over to Rick in a moment here, but maybe I'll give you a, a quick spiel on Lawndale. Now, the band is Lawndale. And uh, th this album is on SST, uh, which was, you know, the home base was in Lawndale, California. That's a complete coincidence, though. Yeah. Lawndale was basically named as a bit of a, a, a joking homage to those bands like Boston or Chicago. Or, you know, in, in Canada, where there were the bands Toronto and Chilliwack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't I think, forget. I about, also think there's a band called Edmonton, actually. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, Lawndale was named after this uh, Californian city, and the the main dude, Rick, who's on the show, Rick Waddell, he basically went under the name Rick Lawndale. Rick was a uh, guitarist in the band. He jo um, started up the band with Jack Skelly. Basically, except for Dave Childs, the drummer, it seems as though everyone played guitar and bass as necessary, depending on the song. Even when you look at some footage online, Brent, I don't know if you looked at some YouTube videos, you see them switch up between guitar and bass during their set. Really? Yeah. Slovenly style. <laughs> I guess. Um, so Jack Skelly and then uh, Rick Waddell or Rick Lawndale on guitars and also uh, Steve Housden on guitar and bass 
and then Dave Childs on drums. They formed in 1984, and they played with a ton of bands that we've mentioned already on the podcast here. Their first and for people who want a more detailed history, you can actually head over to the Lawndale website. There's a history on that website that will that I'm I'm stealing all these uh, these uh, snippets from. And if you want to get more detail, head over there. Um, their first show was with the Nip Drivers and a band called Animal Dance. Their second show was with the Meat Puppets and the Minutemen. That was um, the Joy they, at Sea show. Exactly. They played uh, on a chartered boat in San Pedro Harbor. And uh, apparently they developed a bit of a reputation as the band who would play anywhere. And you and I know this, like when you are an instrumental band, you, it is easier for you to play anywhere, kind of. Yeah. Because you can almost play without a PA and get away with it, right? Yeah. So um, we definitely had a few kind of weird locations that we played in our instrumental band. These guys landed on SST eventually because they were playing with a ton of bands in that scene like Black Flag, Sonic Youth. Um, they also played with Red Cross, The Fall, Dick Dale, St. Vitus. They even played with Half Japanese and Penn and Teller. I believe Steve Housden has some connections to Red Cross as well. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see that, but it wouldn't surprise me because Red Cross had a zillion members in the band, right? And I think he's the brother of Janet Housden, who was in like Desperate Teenage Love Dolls or Love Dolls Superstar or both of them. I'm not really recalling yeah. right now. It would definitely make sense that they're related coming from that same area. And when you listen to Lawndale, I mean, they're an instrumental band. You can't really pigeonhole them as a surf band. They definitely have surf underpinnings, though. But they were, you know, described as mixing a number of genres like surf rock, country, punk, psychedelic, lounge, metal, TV themes. Um, it is Love Doll Superstar where the, they had a song on it called Wingtips. Acid Surf is, That's a, another, is something I saw. Yeah, on um, Wikipedia, they say it's the Ventures meet Led Zeppelin in Don Knotts' living room. Yeah. Now, we'll uh, we'll hear about Don Knotts later on in the show, actually. And that's not a very original quote on Wikipedia because it's stolen from this record, I'm pretty sure. Childs went on to play with uh, some other folks later on. Sylvia Jankosa, also Fish Camp with Chuck Dukowski. Skelly went to play in the Insect Surfers. We mentioned them before. Hey, I have a little thing on on Fish Camp. Okay, lay it on me. I So a while ago, I talked to Phil Van Duane, I think you pronounce his last name. Philo? I think he played in SWA. He was for sure in the Jack Brewer band. But I'm pretty sure we're going to see him on a SWA record later on. I asked him about Fish Camp. This was a while ago because I was curious about it. He says, Fish Camp got together in spring 1988. I was doing some jams with Dave Childs and came up with some songs. I asked Chuck Dugowski to jam and formed the band. We always did freeform jams at practice and sometimes live. Sometimes live. We played around 30 to 40 shows over the next five years at clubs and parties. LA, South Bay, Pedro, and Long, Bla Long Beach. We played a lot with Carnage, Asada, also with Sacron Trust, Fatso Jetson, Joel Nolte, Mike Watt, Chuck Dukowski Sextet, Rick Lawndale, 
the farmers i believe that's uh george uh george hurley's band okay toys that kill do you know anything about carnage asada i don't that's a band we should talk about that's a band that has dave travis in it he owns that uh cafe nila that a lot of these guys play at like you know des cadena and i think saccharin trust was playing there it's like a hangout punk rock hangout okay and carnage asada had des in it for a while dave markey played in it chris stein from Sacron Trust, who unfortunately passed away recently. Uh, Steve Reed, who was Firehose's sound man for a while. They've, and they've been playing for 25 years. They, I think they have one album out called Permanent Trails. But they're like a jazz punk jam band. I don't think we've ever mentioned them before. So No, not that I can recall. Interesting. Yeah, so Lawndale put out two records on SST. Oh, we should mention too that... Rick Waddell, Rick Lawndale. Like, Lawndale got back together. And uh, I think they're still playing now, but Lawndale does not have Rick Lawndale in it. Rick Lawndale is in the Rick Lawndale band, as I understand it. But Lawndale put out two records on SST. They were on the Love Doll Superstar compilation. Also, the No Age compilation. That's that instrumental compilation that we'll get to eventually. They're also on Taste Test Number 1. On New Alliance Records. We've mentioned that one before, Brent. And then I found an article from from 2015, which I thought was cool because it had some quotes from Chuck in it. Oh, yeah. So obviously they're talking about Lawndale playing a show. This is the this is Lawndale without Rick Lawndale in it. The interviewer got in touch with Chuck, and this is what he said. They fit on almost any sort of show. They always added something special to an event offering an enjoyable break from vocal music. They played shortish sets and were real nice people to deal with. And the article also says Lawndale often shared bills with Black Flag and once embarked on a two-month national tour with label mates and friends Sonic Youth, Minutemen, and the Dead Milkmen. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then it meant, this article again mentions that Skelly played uh, with... It's the guy in in uh, Insect Surfers that I would have spoken to way back when is a guy named Dave Arnson. Also, apparently, Skelly also played in... I can't tell if it's Dave Arnson played in Low Straight Jackets or Skelly played in Low Straight Jackets. Hmm. I'm not sure. It does, it's not clear on the uh, in the article here, and I didn't I didn't look it up. The the closest band I can think of that sounds like Lawndale would be Insect Surfers. For sure. They, uh, I would say insect surfers are a little bit more, a little bit more fuzzed out from time to time, but they definitely, so here's the thing for me, insect surfers and Lawndale, it makes sense for me to group them together as like an eighties sounding surf, like instrumental band. They sound like the eighties to me. Yeah. I, I wrote down, this is surf SST style. Which yeah. Would... Well, definitely with all of the, uh the different genres that are all over it, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Some of these articles that are read up on Lawndale, they're going, you know, they're talking about SST and they kind of use the same old kind of quotes and stuff about SST. And then they go, then they really went into left field with Lawndale. And I'm like, did you not notice that, you know, they had paper bag, the alternatives and Zoog's Rift by now? Yeah. This is not left field. 
No, no. This is pretty tame and it and not tame in a boring way. I'm just mean like a lot a lot of the people who are writing up on Lawndale really tried to make them sound like they were so weird for SST. And no man, they were not this this makes sense for SST to me anyways. Yeah, me too. Should we turn it over to Rick for a bit? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we're joined on the podcast today by Rick Lawndale. Rick, thanks for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Can you take me back to the beginnings of the band Lawndale? How did the band get started? Uh, okay, well, um, Jack Skelly and I were knew each other, and um, we were in a band before that. He was involved with this. Uh, he was in the poet, and he worked with this uh, Beyond Baroque Poetry Center, and uh, and then another poet there named uh, Bob Flanagan became kind of famous later as a performance artist. Mm-hmm. Then they had a band called the Planet of the Toys, and I was in it. I was mainly playing bongos. Oh, okay. But I did do um, some um, uh, songs that I wrote. That was for uh, Lawndale. And then I was uh, I was really into surf music at the time, so I was into writing this like instrumental type. I was into writing like surf songs, and so I kind of started. And then we, uh, then Jack and I started it together. Uh, and then he wrote some too. So you know, originally, so then uh, instrumental stuff, and then we just performed like a. I think the first time we performed was just with like a drum machine at the um, Beyond Baroque Literary Center. So me and him, basically, uh, you know, I guess originally me and then me and him, basically, right. together. And then we uh, met the other people, the, uh, Steve and Dave, to play with us, too. Now, when you say you were really into surf music at the time, are you uh-huh. t- are you talking about you were going back? Or were there, like, current bands, current surf bands that you were into? Oh, well, I had, uh, well, both, yeah, because yeah. I had the... Uh, I knew some people that were kind of doing that um, in the, but more in the modern vein, like the uh, Romans. I knew a guy that, well, the one guy played drums with the Planet Toys. He's in this group called Romans, and right. they did some instrumental stuff. So maybe that, but then, yeah, I was just into listening to a lot of that kind of music and going to Dick Dale concerts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so that was how that started. Yeah. Now, when you did start playing, were you were you playing with like contemporary surf bands, or was it more with like on SST bills? We didn't play with. We did play a couple times, but we did play. Uh, we weren't at first. We were not. I mean, we it took. We weren't immediately on SST, but we were playing uh, the local clubs, and then um, it was helpful though because Jack is a literary beyond the Brook Literary Center, so he. Because he did, he booked some of the shows there, so we kind of knew people from then. And then when we knew Steve Housden, um, then he kind of because he knew he was friends with like the Minutemen and stuff. So that's kind of got us into that um, group of people. Well, one time we got a gig because the guy from the LA Weekly um, got us a gig with playing with Dick Dale and the Deltones one time. Oh, it wow. opened up, but. Um, but we were supposed to play two sets, but then we only got to play one set because I guess they didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we mainly played with uh, just whatever. It wasn't mainly playing with surf bands. No, it was mainly playing with um, just various bands, you know, like just the the bands that were happening at the time, you know. Right. We, 
Now, how did you find Dave, your drummer? How, okay, how did I find Dave? Okay, Dave was, um, let's see, he was, uh, oh, what? No, I had another guy, because I was, guy that I knew was um, the Stuart Sweezy. Okay, yep. Who had the Desolation Center. But my friend, was a really good friend of mine from high school and stuff was Mike Shepard, who recently passed away, but he is kind of this promoter guy who knew, and then he, he through him, I knew this guy, Stuart, and he was a friend of this guy, Stuart Sweezy. So we're just looking for a drummer. So he said, um, so that's how we met him. Okay. Were you doing the Desolation Sound stuff? Did you do any of those shows? Yes, we did. Oh. We played with Sonic Youth, and we played with, um, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. How did you end up on SST? I think they gave, um, well, they knew about us because we played gigs because we were friends with some of those people, and we played some gigs, and then I guess they, we did a, a recording, uh, went to the studio, so we did like four songs, and so then he, I guess we gave it to him, and then he decided he would put, he would put it out and then record some more, too. Oh, so these are songs, this wasn't a demo, these are songs that ended up being on Beyond Barbecue? Yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah. I think it was, yeah, we with some of the ones that, yeah, and then we recorded some more, too, that they paid for. Uh, do you remember the recording sessions with Ethan James? We recorded at this place in Venice, yeah. The name of the place, I forget, but it was, yeah, Ethan James, that's right. I believe what it says on the back of the album is that it was just recorded in 85 86 at radio tokyo like were the you know were the sessions kind of spread out over multiple days yeah i think so part of it we recorded there that we did ourselves and then the other ones i think we went out in like two or three days i think for the songwriting you and jack were you like working on stuff individually and bringing them to the band yeah we yeah. didn't yeah we didn't it, they're either written by me or him pretty right. much yeah it wasn't like it was other other people contributed as far as the arrangement of course but yeah no you look on the see what it says on the album who wrote what yeah no i just mean as far yeah. as like were they written as a group like at jam sessions you know well not really i mean it depends how you define writing i mean i wrote the song but obviously then you you know so that's that could be a bone of contention i suppose but basically you got the tune and the melody and stuff some people might add little embellishments that they consider to be part of the song i guess but like a big part of the surf sound is gear. Were you were you a gear guy? Are you a gear guy? No, not really. No, not really. What what kind of stuff were you playing through? Like Fender guitars? Yeah, there's a yeah. Fender Fender amp and a Fender. Jack was more into the gear than me. I was I wasn't that much into the gear. Just just the just the amp turned up. You know, with the with the reverb on the amp. But he used more pedals than me. Yeah. The cover art for this album was it done specifically for the album or did it did you source it from somewhere else it was a friend of ours no he we knew that he we knew him or jack knew him well, i knew him too jack had the magazine barney which was a poetry magazine a poetry and art magazine and he was in that magazine and he did this so we just asked him, i think we just took one of his paintings and put it on there jack kronig i think now the title of the album beyond barbecue you know, on the credits on the back, the thank yous, you thank Beyond Barbecue. Was that like a restaurant or something? It says we thank Beyond Barbecue? Yeah, I thought I read that on the back. I thought maybe it was named after like a restaurant that was called Beyond Barbecue or something like that. Well, the you remember the place that, that Jack worked was Beyond Baroque. Oh, okay. A little bit of a pun maybe on on, on that. Quite a lot of barbecues. Yeah. 
I still play a lot of barbecues. So yeah, that's would be my main place to play. But yeah, I think that was probably the Beyond Baroque thing was part of it. Beyond Baroque, Beyond Barbecue. That makes sense. I think, if I remember correctly. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot for chatting with me tonight, Rick. I really appreciate you being oh, on the sure. on the podcast. Okay. All right. Great to have Rick Lawndale on the show. Great, for, uh, you know, to kind of hear exactly what was going on, kind of get a bit of uh, additional history on the band. Interesting to to kind of, as always, when we're, we have someone on the show, hear it like right from the guy who was there. Yeah. Quick little interview. Appreciate Rick being on the podcast. Yeah. A few things that I picked out from it. Number one, I'm happy to have a chance to talk about the Romans who he mentioned. I can't remember what the connection was he mentions, but it's something to do with Planet of Toys, the band he was in with Jack Skelly before Lawndale. Okay. The Romans came on my radar because, as you know, I'm a big Dream Syndicate fan, and Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate had this like imprint on an on Enigma called Down There Records, and the Romans were were kind of on that. And I also know them from that Border Radio movie that has, like, the Blasters in it and Christy. Okay, yeah, we've mentioned that before. Yeah. And they have two albums, uh, full-length albums, Last Days at the Ranch and You Only Live Once. And there's some some other connections to some, some other stuff we've talked about. Michael Ulencott was in the Romans, and he was also in the band Monitor. Uh, Juan Gomez was in... The Romans, and he was in the band Human Hands, which I'm sure we've mentioned a few times. Keith Mitchell from the Romans was also in Monitor, Green on Red, and he plays in Opal, which we'll be getting to pretty soon. Uh, Mickey Borens was in that band The Consumers with Paul Cutler, who uh, was in the Dream Syndicate and also was in United Gang Members with Chuck Dukowski. So some SST connections with the Romans. Right on. Do you want to talk about the tracks? Yeah. History lesson, part two. This was a very interesting lesson to me. It definitely is all over the place. Definitely not a traditional surf record. I would say like acid surf or whatever, those other types of descriptions, those are all pretty fitting. We'll talk a bit about what uh, sounds were coming out on this as we go through the tracks. The, uh, The first song is Streets of Desire. And right off the bat, you've got, it's instrumental. If you think it's going to be like your traditional surf record, you've got wah-wah, distortion, um, and also some wicked keyboard playing too. Yeah, I couldn't really hear the keyboards on this one. It's really it's really buried in the mix. Yeah. William Morosi on keys? Yeah, it's, um, it kind of, you can pick it out when there's a bit more space near the end of the song. Another thing though, that in my mind, I was like, well, this, this album sounds good. It was recorded. Well, that's true. Most stuff by Ethan James was interesting that I couldn't pick out the four songs that they like on the back. It says recorded 85, 86. I'm assuming that the 85 sessions were like the four demo tracks they did. And then 86, they went back in and did the rest of them. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's just a guess, though. Don't know. We should mention who wrote what. Rick wrote Streets of Desire. Uh, the next song, Gone Fishing. Gone Fishing, I should say. Again, not a very 
surf sounding track and has banjo on it. Uncredited banjo. <laughs> well, if you call it a guitar, because again, like Housden, Lawndale, and Skelly are credited to guitars. Yeah, Jack Skelly wrote this one. This one I like. There's some more discordant type riffs and and some interesting licks, cool guitar harmonies. Yeah. It was a standout for me. The next track is Attaboy Luther. Maybe you picked up on this. This to me sounded a little bit like kind of a shadowy men vibe to me. Yeah, I put Lost Straight Jackets actually. Okay. Yeah, it really reminded me of Lost Straight Jackets, even the guitar tones. This is the one where it's it actually says on the jacket here that um, Attaboy Luther is based on Don Knotts' character, Luther Heggs, from The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Don't know it, but Don Knotts is hilarious, so I bet it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where, you know, that quote from Wikipedia, where they say, or the LA Weekly described Lawndale as the Ventures meet Led Zeppelin in Don Knotts' living room. Yeah. It's like, oh... How did Don Knotts come to mind, LA Weekly? The next song. The Grot- we should say that one had Russell Conlon on cornet. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, so then the next one is The Grotto. This one sounds like a surf song. Yeah, I wrote my nice minor key surf number. Yeah, um, some very tasteful whammy bar in there, or otherwise known as? Wiggle stick? Brand. Yeah, there you go, with a wiggle stick. <laughs> All right. There's some uncredited keys on this one too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they they give credit to for keys. Who is it again? William Morosi. Right. But then also, yeah, Paul Rossler. He's piano on Shogun Shuffle. Yeah. So who who played keys on this song? Right. Yep. Don't know. Um, the next song is the story of Vanna White, and for me, this song was kind of ho hum. Yeah, it's another Jack Skelly track, and he's all over it. I'm assuming because Rick mentions that he was the pedal guy, and there's some some phaser going on. the yeah. The one pedal they don't use on this one that they probably could have used is a tuning pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's it's somebody's well, might, somebody's out of tune. That might have been because of the whammy bar, man. Maybe. Maybe you Gotta never get know. a floating bridge on that thing. <laughs> or maybe just put some, uh, what did you do? What did you used to put in the nut? Graphite powder? Yeah, that that's what? right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, this was uh, the 80s, so maybe a Floyd Rose would have been yeah. more in order. Yeah. Well, you could always get one of those, um, what were those ones where they ha- they were shaped basically like... Um, like a box with no headstock, a Steinberger or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could you could you could whammy the shit out of those, and they'd never go out of tune. Yeah. All right, uh, the last track on this uh, side is Rendezvous with some surfy bongos on it, and this one is written by Rick Lawndale. Yeah, as previously stated on other episodes, I love instrumental songs that are aptly titled and this one sounds like a rendezvous to me <laughs> oh, uh, especially with with the percussion like there's some guero in there and i bet it's rick 
ripping it up on the bongos because that's what he played in Planet of Toys. There you go. And there's some serious bongo action going on on Rendezvous. Yeah. Oh, no, the bongos are prominent. Yeah. All right, well, we'll flip it over to side two, and the first song is Carousel with some fuzzed-out bass now. Yeah, that's co-write between Jack Skelly and somebody named Robin Carr. Yeah, I didn't see that in the credits anywhere, like who Robin Carr was or is or anything. Did you? No, I didn't. I even looked him up on Discogs, couldn't find anything. Probably just a friend. Okay, and the next song is The Drill, written by Rick Lawndale. Not the same The Drill as the Wire song, The Drill. This one's different. And this one, to me, kind of similar to the story of Van White, Vanna White. It was a little, eh, not very remarkable to me. Same. And then the next song is Shogun Shuffle, which is also written by Rick Lawndale. Yeah, this one was another standout for me. Maybe it's because we've got Paul Rossler twinkling the ivories. Yeah. Rick's back on bongos. At least I'm assuming it's Rick. This one reminded me of of, uh, a Southern culture on the skids type instrumental. Yeah, I agree. All right. And next is probably, I'm just guessing, but it's probably one of the songs that made Lawndale kind of noteworthy is the song Interstellar Caravan, where they... They uh, they kind of mash up Interstellar Overdrive by Pink Floyd and then a Duke Ellington song into this kind of, uh, you know, instrumental psychedelic jam type thing. Like, I'm sure that this was one of the songs where, you know, when people heard it, they kind of looked at each other like, oh, man, can you tell what they're doing? You know, yeah, yeah. I'm sure people really dug it. Oh, I bet, man. It is a standout on the record. Yeah, it's well it's done. A, it's a real standard too. The the track caravan is the ventures do do that one too. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, every surf band has done that song, yeah. right? You got some pretty gnarly Davy Allen fuzz on that one too. Yeah, you were always more into the fuzz than I was. I think I was more into drenched in reverb reverb than fuzz. I like a I like a good fuzz pedal. Yeah, yeah. I like my Davy that... Allen and the Arrows, man. It was never really my thing. I was more of a purist, I guess. <laughs> What's right. more pure than Davy Allen and the Arrows? Uh, Dick Dale, man. <laughs> Much pure. Last song on the album, The Days of Pup and Taco. And to me, this was like the heaviest song on the record. A good closer. Yeah, I wrote, uh, they borrowed St. Vitus's guitar amps for this one. <laughs> hey St. Vitus St. Vitus don't they get a thank you on here let me see no 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 that that was actually the article where they said uh, that they played with them that's what it was did you wind the record back Ryan oh yeah to hear the like the backwards backwards words do you know what it is no do you, do you know what it is or are you just playing no down? I don't know oh, okay so um, I hope so, I'm hoping it's like satanic, but I, I bet it isn't. Well, hold, <laughs> hold that thought. So um, after the song, Days of Pup and Taco, there is this little or whatever, and so I'm like, okay, there's something backwards there. I had no idea that like, I've never really picked up on it before, and honestly, I haven't listened to this record for. I bought it for 
a buck 10 years ago probably didn't really listen to it that much like honestly so i'm not sure i ever noticed that this was on there put it on wind it backwards and it says clear as day quote looking for satanic messages is bad for your needle (laughs) good one that's what it says that's what it says you want to hear some uh, dead wax oh hell yeah okay so on side one it says and they used bonami side two says that's where robbie used to live whatever that means probably a rob Wright reference <laughs> are you ready there robbie want to talk about the artwork yep the uh, the cover in the back is a painting by Mark Croning or Craning probably Mark Craning. The front cover is called Eastern Spy, and the back is called European Spy. And you can definitely see some, you know, James Bond esque spy type images there. Big time. Um, yeah, you know, you got a, a ship on the ocean, a scuba diver, maps with X marks the spot. Submarine. Oh, yeah, the submarine going for the ship. You're right. Yeah. Um, someone, you know, getting a probably the, the spy getting a cigarette lit by someone in Asia there. I know on the what's back... going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And then flip it over some more kind of spy scenes i guess you could say you've got your spy there kind of crouched down with uh, the gun in a spotlight some dancing girls in a roulette wheel looks almost like vegas and then it looks like something meter middle eastern there yeah. and in terms of the painting he's a real globe trotter this spy yeah. yeah the eastern spy is i'm the european spy great photo of the band love it they look yeah. like a surf band Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the uh the fluorescent pink hat, the the green flowered shirt, the McDonald's shirt, and then <laughs> and the gone shirt. They definitely when they when they signed to SST, they probably got a box of gone shirts. Yeah. Hey, I was thinking Ryan. So when you and I were playing in a surf band, there was like a real surf boom, right? For a minute there. Yep. Who would have been surf bands contemporary to Lawndale? I'm thinking like John and the Night Riders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? Um, well, Insect Surfers, John and the Night uh, Night Riders. You know, there wasn't a ton that was like really good in the 80s, though. Um, maybe Leica and the Cosmonauts. Would that be later? Yeah, maybe a bit later for them. I was thinking Evan Johns, maybe. Yep, yep. Evan's jo- Evan Johns had a different vibe, though. Like, there's yeah. definitely some instrumental stuff, but a different vibe. True. Yeah, the 80s was not like... Well, shadowy men. Well, hey, if you want to talk about probably one of my favorite, favorite surf guitarists of all time, who was very prominent in the 80s, I, I got to mention East Bay Ray. Yeah. Love I love that stuff in the Dead Kennedys. Oh, maybe the Mermen? How about the Mermen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were kicking Mermen. around. They all had that kind of that 
and there's nothing wrong with it, but there is a sound of 80s surf bands, for sure. How about Agent Orange? Yeah. Come well, on. Well, a couple tracks, yeah. Exactly. They did Pipeline. Case, clo- case closed. Bitch well, in Summer, man. Bitch you, in Summer. Then you can call Johnny Thunders a surf band, though. Why? Pipeline. Oh, come on. Agent, or- Agent Orange did more than Pipeline. <laughs> All right. Are you tell- you can't you can't just go, hey, anyone who does the song Pipeline is a surf band. You can't do that, man. I can do whatever I want. Ready to do the ballot result, Ryan? Heck yeah. Ballot result. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, my favorite would be the grotto, just because it's pretty traditional and dripping with reverb. All right, I liked Gone Fishing and Shogun Shuffle, but I can go with the Grotto. Cool. I win. Ha-ha. Ryan, what's next week? Well, man, next week, it's Zoog's Rift again. We're going to get looser than Clams, and guess what? It's a Greatest Hits record. Oh, boy. (laughs) Can't wait. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.